Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Listeners, welcome to episode 114. Today I have in the studio with me a previous guest. He was on for when we celebrated episode 100. We have the doc, Dr. Eric Evans in the house. Dr. Evans, how are you doing today? Great, Jared. Thanks for inviting me back. Absolutely. Absolutely. How you been? Good. Uh, you know, it's uh, I actually got uh, stuck in the snow in Washington County. Uh, I was two days ago. I was up in New Harmony and got my truck stuck, dug it out for about five hours, still didn't get it out. Then I got my backhoe stuck when I got up to get that. So I'm like, well, this is weird to be getting stuck in the snow in Southern Utah, but I did. Yeah, that is, that's definitely not the normal down here. No. It's I usually mean, like palm trees and flip-flops, right? Like yeah. that's the weather. And then I just but we've been getting outside. pounded with some cold weather. Lately. I know it. I went outside just barely and it's beautiful. The sun's shining. It's, you know, dry. And I just thought, man, two days ago, I was up to my, above my knees in snow. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yes. Yes. The weather has been pretty unpredictable and, and outside of the norm for this area. Well, we are rock and rolling. Today, we're going to talk about ketamine treatment part two. Dr. Eric Evans came on, uh, again, episode 100, and there was a lot of really good education and history on how ketamine works and the use of it. We're going to maybe do some refreshing on that and then jump into kind of some personal stories about about its use and its benefits. Episode Before we get to that, though, episode 114 is brought to us by our sponsors. Um, rise Up. Sorry. High Desert Counseling, sponsors episode 114, part one. High Desert Counseling is a progressive substance abuse facility with a practical approach. They offer day treatment, morning and evening IOP, continuation of care, and Prime for Life programs. Check out their website at highdesert.help or call them at 435-673-2899. Their facilities are located in St. George and Cedar City, Utah. We also have our second sponsorship for this first part, Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic supplement line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. There's two powerful blends. The first one's going to be Mindful Mood. That helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. The second is Mind Shift. Helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Check out their website today at riseupsups.com. That's R-A-S-E-U-P-S, U-P-S dot C-O-M. At checkout, punch in promo code PODCAST20 to save yourself 20% off your entire purchase. This wouldn't be possible without some sponsorships, so we appreciate our sponsorships. Thank you to both those companies. Well, Doc, we usually start off with like new and goods, and it I, sounds like it's been cold and bad lately, or a little <laughs> bit, but but what else, what other new and goods you got going on in your life? Practice a little positive psychology. You're a busy guy. Yeah, I got a lot going on between uh, the clinic and the hospital and personal life. You know, it's it's a great life. Love living here in Southern Utah. Uh, grew up here, and so it's fun just uh, enjoying the area. Uh, something new that I've been doing lately is uh, riding some horses. So I've been going out and, and riding... Uh, these, uh, um, what are they? They're the Missouri Fox Trotters. They're kind of a gated horse, so they're real smooth and just been great to be out in the, out in the outdoors. And there's something about horses. That's why I guess equine therapy is so good for people. Yes. Horses with that big eye looking at you. It's just <laughs> like, man, they look like they're looking right into your soul. You know, they're just such beautiful creatures. They're so big, but oftentimes they're very gentle, very loving, right? Yeah. Like and the way that the energy and the way you interact with them is a big part of the equine therapy. You were saying that you you just recently had gone out to, oh man, we, we went to lunch the other day and you were telling me about a trail that you'd recently gone out on. Was it yeah, Snow just, Canyon? Uh, well, we went to Snow Canyon and, and rode up to the end of the Snow Canyon uh, trail up there and the back of the canyon. But the one I was telling you about is just up here on exit 13. Uh, That's right. On the right-hand side is that new Maverick and McDonald's and all that stuff. And on if you go to the other direction, there's actually a mountain bike trail that'll take you up there. But there's a great horse riding up that direction. And you get to ride toward Pine Valley and you get to see all that beautiful canyon up there. And it's just really a cool spot. Yeah, I I wish I had the land and the money for horses because they are absolutely gorgeous 
and a blast. My dad, uh, growing up, he, he bred horses, Arabians and things like that. And so you're talking my language. I love it. It's good stuff. Well, this guy that I went riding with, I was telling him, I want to sneak up and buy some of my own horses. And he's like, Eric, the best horse to ride is somebody else's horse. (laughs) (laughs) Someone else is feeding it, paying for it, you know, taking care of it. But, uh, but that's the other the, thing I told him, though, was, you know, you can turn a horse into a small fortune. You just have to start with a large fortune. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Cool. That's in your future, though. Sounds like you, yeah. didn't you buy some horse trailers and you're getting yep, saddles? We're, yeah, we're getting some fencing put in. And uh, that's where I got stuck is up at the property that we're trying to put together. And I actually want to have some equine therapy up there. Eventually, that's part of the goal so of our cool. clinic is to... Uh, there, there's a lot of people coming through our clinic that I think that that mode of... Uh, help would be really good for them. And uh, so we want to kind of put that piece into our clinic as well. We try to not just be a, uh, you know, ketamine clinic where you just walk in, get your ketamine and go out. We really want to be a well-rounded clinic and we keep expanding that boundary. And I think equine therapies, uh, I just think it's amazing. So I'm going to try to push that direction. That's why we're doing what we're doing up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I just assume, because I know you, right, and we've kind of become buddies, that everybody knows you're talking about Desert Sands Ketamine. So, I guess I could have said that. <laughs> I, I I just assumed it. So for the listener, uh, Dr. Eric Evans is the medical director and owner of Desert Sands Ketamine. Check them out at desertsandsketamine.com, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, they do fantastic stuff. We're going to talk about that. Let's get uh, Sean Denovan. What's your new and good? Oh, I'm actually, I'm just really proud of you today. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> After having major surgery this week, you decided to stumble in and still continue to do your podcast. And I want to point out to our listeners... You sound different. Yeah, I, I may sound a little nasally. A little nasal, lack yeah. of nasally. <laughs> I think of what it is. Well, I apologize for the voice. I can't really control it. Yeah, I had I had a deviated septum. Apparently, if like I, I'm from the oxycotton era, right? And apparently, you're not supposed to snort a bunch of pain pills up your nose. It does something to your nose that I never got fixed. And now being a person in long-term recovery eight years later, you know, I'm I'm taking good care of myself, and so I That's went your and excuse? had surgery. Mine's better. What's that? A soccer ball in sixth grade. Really? Yeah. Dang. Broke my nose in sixth grade. Never thought twice about it. <laughs> Sorry. I just, you know. So you're may, telling me it's going to get better, though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, okay. you're, you're all nasally right now. <laughs> you can't breathe. You have like two McDonald's thick straws yes. going up your nose into your nasal cavity. And when, when do you go back? When, 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 <laughs> I have when, some decent smell, right? Or at least some decent airflow. And then when you go to the doctor's office to get it removed, yeah. he's got multiple pliers. Okay, uh, and then there's probably two to four beach towels packed up there. Do you know how much space is up in your nasal cavity? Really, a lot. Oh my there gosh, there is a lot of space up there. I was so, feeling okay before you started talking about this, and now I'm starting to feel sick to my stomach. So yeah, he's going to pull out the two. I mean, you know the McDonald's straws, the right. thick ones, oh, the yeah. long ones, the big yeah. red ones. Yeah, yeah. That's what I have the ones in my that head make Coke right now. Taste so good. Yeah, you have two of those. Wow. So you're going to pull both of those out, <laughs> and then they're going to. My thing was he pulled out the two beach towels. And he wasn't sure if there was two more beach towels up there or not. So he's got this thing. It's, I don't know, like an eight to 10 inch long pair of pliers. He's got a flashlight that he did not get at Home Depot, but it was like tiny but long. He's up there looking for it. This was your experience. This how long a, ago was this? Oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Lovely. It's, it's ingrained in my head. I can tell oh, you that, like man. how many tiles were on the ceiling and stuff. If you can fit a beach ball up your nose, it is... Thank beach, God, beach towel. Thank beach God, towel. you were not a cocaine person. Oh. <laughs> no one would have invited you to the party. No one. Sean took all the cocaine again. What? Uh, Hide the cocaine, Doctor Evans. Please tell me that he's fibbing me. Please tell me that it'll be fine. Okay, be you're, fine. you're a tough guy. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I was thinking Doctor Evans just on live on air here would just pull out the, yeah, the McDonald's straws. Oh, just no, get him no. some pliers. Oh, absolutely. And, here's the thing. My voice changed a little bit. Did it? It did. And my breathing changed, my sleeping changed. Everything has been fantastic. So I can actually breathe. Sinus season and allergy season is a lot easier and better for me now. So in the long run, one of the best things I ever did. Well, I'll be thankful for that once that gets here. The last two days I haven't been super thankful, but you know what? It's underway. But those McDonald's straws and beach towels, I swear. <laughs> so that's that's my new good. I had surgery, you know, being a person in recovery, we gotta take care of ourselves. One thing that I really try to do is make sure I'm taking care of my mental health, make sure I'm taking care of my physical health, 
you know, I go to the dentist these days, all the stuff, doc, all the stuff. You're being healthy. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. One thing we got to note is, uh, Terry Sellers isn't here today. I yeah, was doc. excited to have him here. Uh, the last time I thought he was, uh, a good, amazing, uh, interaction. Honestly, he's a smart guy and, uh, I have to do the silly second since he's not here. Okay, let's get it. Uh, hey, continue the, the I'm seller, a, silly second I'm the substitute song. teacher. There you go. There's um, seven out of eight addicts would say that, and he uses the term addict, so I'm going to, seven out of eight, ten, seven out of ten addicts, it's been proven, think Terry Sellers is the best addiction medicine doctor in the state. So, uh, And that's that's fact and proven. Is it? Oh, yeah. Where'd you get that research at? Yeah, there, well, I... Kind of made it up on the way in, but I'm sure it's true. Yeah, it is. He's a great, he's a, he is. He the is other ones guy. just don't get what they want from him. That's all. That's right. The other three just weren't quite getting what <laughs> they weren't ready. Was they, were. they weren't ready for getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, he actually texted me before I came on here and he's like, oh man, I, I, I wish I was down there, you know, tell Dr. Dr. Evans, I said hello. So yeah, well, we miss him today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into, uh, so last time, episode 100, we had a really good conversation. Listen, I was kind of out of the ballpark on that one, right? I'm not a medical guy. I do the the therapy route stuff, the counseling stuff. You guys had a really great conversation about the use of ketamine these days. We went over the history of it. Give us a little bit of a refresher. Yeah, I won't do as deep a dive. If listeners want to kind of get a deeper dive in, in what ketamine's about, then that episode 100 would be great. Um, Terry had some great comments, and I thought we had covered the topic pretty well. But <clears throat> just to give an overview of, of ketamine and what we're doing at Desert Sands, um, ketamine is a anesthetic agent. And so I've been giving it for almost 30 years in my medical practice. Uh, it's not a new drug, but it's being used in a new way. It's been FDA approved since 1970. It's a uh, top tier medicine. It's not some fringe thing that's happening. And over the last, uh, oh, really five or six years, doctors have realized and researchers have realized, wow, ketamine is doing something else amazing for people with mental health issues besides just the anesthesia use of ketamine. So uh, that's where we entered the picture um, a few years ago uh, after doing about a year and a half worth of research on it and looking at it, I was just blown away by what was happening with ketamine for people with mental health. Since the 1950s, we've kind of treated people with mental health issues by saying, well, you've got some sort of chemical imbalance in your brain. And that may be still true to a point, um, but there's a new uh, thought process emerging that it's a dysregulation of certain areas of the brain rather than just a chemical imbalance. And ketamine is really doing three main things. Uh, the first thing that it's doing is in the area of the brain that deals with mood and emotion, the amygdala of the brain, and then a really older system called the limbic system of the brain. Those two areas of the brain are really key to, for our mental function and for our mental health. So if they're sending signals out to our consciousness of fear-based thinking or anxiety-type thinking or uh, depression-type thinking or PTSD things happening with you, those emotions rising and coming to a conscious level are not the type of emotions that you want. And so when we start giving patients ketamine infusions, those two areas of the brain start sending out signals of peacefulness. Uh, of resiliency, of calm, uh, more um, a feeling of calm inside and motivation and better positive emotions coming out of those areas of the brain. So that's one mechanism of action. Uh, th that's pretty straightforward. Which if I could jump in for a second, I think that's huge. One of the things with counseling and, and talk therapy is it's beneficial. It absolutely is beneficial, oh, absolutely. but it takes time. Right. Some of the cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing, these different modalities that we use, you're not going to get like a response within one to a month worth of talk therapy. It, it can take years sometimes. Correct. To really get somebody to have a different perspective on it or a different um, viewpoint. Right. To change their mind about maybe a death, to move away from oh, it was a sad thing to, hey, I can celebrate their life, right? Like, let's just throw that out, out there for an example. So the exciting thing is, is in with combination with something like ketamine, where it's actually going to those receptors in the brain and allowing it to produce those happy chemicals, right? Like, it's just, it's cool because I think that 
they both need to be present. I think somebody, and again, we're getting into my opinion here, but the fact that you can go in and start getting these infusions and have such a rapid response that can help out with the talk therapy piece is game changing in my mind. Absolutely. If you start someone on, let's say Prozac, for example, um, the packet insert says six to eight weeks to get maximum effect of this particular medicine. Well, if it was just a chemical imbalance and all we had to do is just change the serotonin levels in the brain, which is what Prozac does, why doesn't it immediately start to help you feel better? Sometimes it can take quite a long time. You were kind of alluding to what I think is the second mechanism of of ketamine, which is increasing neuroplasticity of the brain. And my best way to explain that is if you stick a six or a seven-year-old kid in a Chinese immersion classroom, they'll just pick up Chinese. They'll just learn it automatically. Their brain is incredibly adaptable. The neurons haven't formed their – they haven't solidified in the pattern of the way that they think yet. So they're incredibly adaptable, incredibly moldable. Uh, when you get older and your brain starts having a lot more history of it, it, you start to solidify the way your brain works. So to get outside of your paradigm, to get outside of the way you think, which is what you were alluding at with all of these modalities that you're talking In about. The talk therapy, yep. Um, ketamine, the second mechanism is you have this psychedelic effect. It's not a true psychedelic, but you do get this psychedelic effect for the hour that you're having it. And when your brain goes to plug everything back in, it's kind of like rocked a little bit with, wow, what just happened? Those normal sensory inputs, the normal way that I, patterns of my um, neurons firing and things just got kind of a reset button and your adaptability and your, the way that you're able to maybe process new information changes. And that's where I I think paired with good therapy, paired with good guidance, paired with good conversations, all those kind of things that it just helps that I'm not saying that those don't have an amazing place with ketamine. I think it's critical actually, but I think they become much more effective because your brain is now, um, more moldable, more adaptable and able to move outside of its normal thought pattern. Yeah. You're talking my language. I love it. I, I do think though, for the average listener that's listening into this, it's important to paint the picture of what this looks like because I've got to say, like when I very first thought of my, my therapist actually was the first one to recommend, you know, have you ever thought about ketamine treatments? And I thought, of course, because of my background in substance abuse, I thought, man, that, that sounds kind of scary to me. You know, all these previously learned things started popping up. You probably thought she was crazy. Yeah. I thought I, 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 a little bit, I thought, <laughs> well, this is odd, right? Like you, you realize that I have a history of, of opiate abuse and you're referring a mind altering substance. But since then I've really having you come on, talking to you, checking out the clinic, a big piece that we talked about in number one, that I think is important to address is like the environment that you guys do it in. At Desert Sands Ketamine, talk to us a little bit about, I know that when you guys built the building, you did it with an intention to be able to to have a therapeutic environment, right? You're not just, people aren't walking up to the counter, paying, getting their stuff and going home and doing it in, the, in their own house. Absolutely. When we um, took over that building that we're in, we um, purpose built it. We had traveled around looking at other ketamine clinics, tried to pick the best uh, practices, the best um, set and setting are really key for ketamine. People need to feel comfortable. You're getting a mind-altering medication. You need to be feel safe. You need to not feel like you're in a cold, sterile doctor office or in a, a gurney somewhere. So we set this up to feel much more like a spa so that you feel relaxed. Um, we hire people based on um, their nursing skills, but also based on um, their warmth with others, their acceptance of others, their non-judgmental attitude toward others because people come in with all kinds of stories. But we've tried to build it so that when people walk through their door, they're like, wow, I just immediately feel less anxiety ridden from the moment I walk in the door. Yeah. And you do, you absolutely do. Right. you guys got the the music playing and it's very clean, very. So yeah, I, I, anyways, I don't know why I felt like it was important to bring that up, but it's just the, the whole atmosphere is a very inviting, very therapeutic, very healthy atmosphere. So back to, back to the, the ketamine Anything else that you feel like we need to kind of refresh on? Yeah, let me just hit just on the third thing that I think is uh, 
earth shattering for me when I started looking at these studies. That is, there's no other medicine that I know of that does the third thing, which ketamine is doing, which is increasing the connections between those mood centers of the brain and the part of our brain that deals with our consciousness and how we think that prefrontal cortex of our brain. And when we start giving patients ketamine and in the studies looking at um, all kinds of different models, increased nerve uh, connections start taking place between the emotional center of the brain and the part of the brain that's conscious. So that's a that's not just changing some chemistry somewhere, that's actually changing the structure of the brain and you start to get increased what we call dendrites or these little branches that start to innervate the frontal cortex of the brain. Well, in a very quick, easy way to explain that, it would be that instead of our emotions driving our consciousness, our tr- consciousness can be a better gatekeeper and a function of, of controlling those emotional centers of our brain. If anyone's ever been an addict, you know how emotions con- were controlling your consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and everything. So, um, so in a way, it allows the brain to start thinking more logically and less out of that emotional center. Right. I think it, it shifts the, the control function of that person more to a conscious level rather than emotions just driving what's happening with them. And people, you know, you, those listening that struggle with depression or anxiety or PTSD, you can logically say, well, that happened when I was eight. Why am I still worried about this? Right. Or, oh my gosh, I've got a great wife. I've got a house. I've got a great job. Why am I so depressed? You can't logically reason yourself out of this emotion that's just pounding you and hurting you and... So that's a game changer because there's no other family of medicines. Ketamine's kind of in its own little category, which is pretty amazing. There are a lot of um, research that's being done on psilocybins, which you guys, I thought your last episode, by the way, with Dr. Sellers was amazing on psilocybins, and we may or may not have time to talk a little bit about that. But um, so does, does it work kind of the same way in the brain? I was actually going to ask you that because I'm, I'm interested. I've done way more research on the ketamine, obviously, because I mean, last time we did this was a few months ago. Right. So I've done way more research on the ketamine. Is there a correlation between the two different? I think that adaptability, that um, ability to have increased neuroplasticity of the brain, th- those are closely tied together with any psychedelic. Um, the the difference between ketamine and, and psilocybin, ketamine's working on specific receptors in the brain that are different from psilocybin, although it feels kind of the same as kind of a psychedelic experience. So the psychedelic uh, drugs, whether you're talking about LSD or psilocybin, they're more of a serotonergic type drug. And this is working on the, uh, the glutamate system in the brain. And so they're two separate systems. Um, but to you said, well, I've done more research over the last two months, but so have a lot of people working on psilocybins over the last couple of years. Well, why not before that? Psilocybins have been around forever. Well, because they've got a class one uh, yeah. status and it was very hard for researchers or doctors to get their hands on it to even see if it had good medical use. Um, like cannabis, it could be up to a seven year process to get that done uh, with the paperwork and everything. Ketamine skirted around that because it had FDA approval. You can use it in an off-label use. Well, that gave us years and years of much uh, better and more detailed research on it. More accessibility because it's already being used for certain things. It's already got that stamp of approval from the FDA. So do you think that, and again, this is just your opinion, do you think that the ketamine targets those those places in the brain a little bit more that are apt to the um, medication-resistant depression, the PTSD stuff, or do you think like psilocybin could potentially do the same thing. I guess I don't understand that well, I think you say it works jur- on two I th- different I mechanisms. I think the, the jury is still out on that. It may be that um, it may be that psilocybins are a huge part of what we move forward with. It also may be that we come up with something that's better that is working along those same mechanisms. But I think that the research is still being done right now. There are some studies showing, especially in veterans, where they've taken psilocybins and for PTSD and things like that that are incredibly promising. Um, it may be that we do a combination of ketamine and psilocybin in the future, or maybe go straight to uh, to uh, NMDA type drugs. So um, the jury's still out for a lot of that. But for ketamine, I think that it's um, incontrovertible in my mind. The the data shows that this is pretty amazing for that. And then for your crowd and your uh, area of expertise, I think that in the addiction world. There's an amazing amount of a medicine com- or an amazing amount of information coming out about ketamine in addictive type behavior, and um, I think that's a really promising field. 
Dr. Seller said on your last podcast that treating PTSD is truly treating trauma yep. and ketamine is amazing for treating people with trauma. So, um, and it, it's really, there's some, finally some great studies being done on addiction medicine with ketamine. And, and I think that that's hopefully going to be another good tool in the toolbox for the clinician. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're coming up on a break here. When we get back to that, I would like to, to talk about that because I know that you and your clinic have seen some treatment with substance abuse stuff with ketamine, you know, the depression, the PTSD. Um, I also have a personal, you know, story journey on this that I, that I would like to talk to. Um, so I look forward to that in the second part of episode 114. Thanks, Doc. Hey, you bet. Great being here. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rice of Supplements, and the Hilton Garden Inn. High Desert Counseling is an adult outpatient substance abuse treatment facility. We offer multiple services including day treatment, morning and evening intensive outpatient services, continuing care, and Prime for Life. What makes us different is our emphasis on gathering all of the information before enrollment. We do this by offering a thorough evaluation by a credentialed professional. Once we have committed to you and you have committed to us, don't worry, insurance will not dictate your treatment. Lastly, the pretzel effect. We are a brief intervention where we connect our clients to community, mental health, and medical professionals to help maintain recovery for life after treatment. At High Desert Counseling, we strive to be the bridge from active addiction to recovery, community, and connection. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, we're back from that little sponsorship break. Um, episode 114 is underway. We got Dr. Eric Evans here to kind of recap. We've we've done a little refresher on ketamine. Now, listen, we understand this is a progressive conversation. We're looking at ketamine. We're looking at psilocybin. We're not looking at it for the abusive purposes. There's definitely some research and education here that shows us that these are these are very effective in treating PTSD and treating medication-resistant depression. Um, that is the, the, the topic that we're really wanting to go on here is I, I, I'm excited that we're taking a look at it and looking at its therapeutic values and not like it's because all medications are medications, right? I mean, you, they, they all are great at something. That's why they're prescribed and cleared through the FDA and have a medical purpose. And so if we can take a look at some of these and instead of the abuse and the negative connotations with it, if we can say, well, what is it really good for and, and what can we use it in a positive way for? That's gold to me. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. So episode 114 part two is brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. It is always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. If you or a loved one are traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search, type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. So to jump kind of back into that same, the same topic, the same, um, logic of you mentioned in last week, we got a pretty good response on the whole psilocybin. It, it came about because of bill SB 200, right? Which is in the Senate, right? And Dr. Sellers is up there, Northern Utah, a mover and a shaker. And he wrote an opposition piece against it. Um, I think the conclusion we kind of came to is it's been tabled, so it won't get either passed or shot down this year. But the way I understood it, and give me your take on it when I looked into SB 200 and how they're going to roll it out, is it would be pretty similar to, to like what Desert Sands Ketamine does. You know, you'd have to get a special license. You'd have to have a facility. Um, how do you understand it? Well, what I if I had a wish, it would be that it would be done under MD guidance only. Um, because, and I get that people do it recreationally and even grow their own, um, we'll call it psilocybin mushrooms. I don't, I am with Dr. Sellers. I don't like the term magic mushrooms either. I like psilocybin mushrooms better. Um, but you mentioned the FDA a minute ago, and I think the FDA, FDA has a good function, 
But like a lot of our institutions in government, people have lost some faith in it. And the reason that I've struggled with it, especially recently, is over a third of the drugs that the FDA approves are withdrawn from the market because they're having harm to human beings. Over a third. Over a third. The last time well, I looked yeah, at the data, like, it was 38%. Dr. Sellers was saying his big objection to it is it did it. it they're treating it differently than they would any other medication. They're putting it to a vote instead of having it go through the proper FDA background screening. That was his whole stand on, right. let's treat it like a medication. That's interesting. So 30% or one third, you said. Yeah, just a little over a third of the medicines that the FDA approves end up getting recalled and pulled back out of this out of circulation because of something that is harming humans. And you ask yourself, well, how in the world could that happen? Don't they do studies? Don't they do data? Well, sure they do, but um, a lot of them are funded by the very drug company that is putting those drugs out. And then uh. the people that are policing them, it, there's a revolving door between the FDA and the drug companies that um, that are funding these studies. And so, you know, gosh, the drug gets approved and then they make a, you know, a billion dollars off of it. They pay some something out and pull it off the market. And the guy that policed them ends up coming on, in on a golden parachute with them. It's just, it's become, unfortunately, a big bureaucracy. I, the FDA gets somewhere close to 60% of their funding from the very drug companies that they're policing. So they, ca a they have a, yeah, they have an invested interest yeah, in these getting approved and... right. And so I love the, I, you know, it's the old adage of, you know, well, it's not a perfect system, but it's the best system out there. Okay, fine. But we have to have a plan B when medicines maybe aren't going to be lucrative for a drug company where they're not going to pay for that phase three trials. They're not going to want to do that with something that people can grow in a, in a uh, cooler in their, in their, in their garage. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so there has to be a separate process maybe for that for a plan B. And I think that that's where these studies are really pushing people with PTSD and those kind of things. I also, um, well, I'll, I'll just tell you, I was up in Montana recently and my father-in-law has cancer. And so we went into a, a dispensary up there and I agree with Dr. Sellers that, gosh, the, the bud tender, as you call it. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, it was basically looked like someone that probably barely had a high school education and they don't certainly don't have a medical background. I listened to what I just was curious. Well, what are they going to ask my father-in-law and what, you know, all those kind of things. So I don't think that's the best way to run this. That's why I personally think there's other places. So it still had a very recreational feel to it. It didn't have a medical, they weren't asking very good questions. And yeah. And then we went into a couple different dispensaries because that was, he's terminal. And so it's critical for him to have something for his nausea and things like that. And it sure. does help him. Um, we have a couple of places here in town that deliver ketamine without an MD uh, present for their infusions and without an MD involved. That's not the way I run our clinic. I run our clinic as an MD level practice. I mean, these people are on a lot of different medicines that can have issues. They've got a lot of complex problems. They are struggling with um, sometimes addiction to substances. There's all, It's a pretty complex thing. This isn't a pizza hut where you go in and you just order something and walk out the door. Right. This has to be a multimodal, multifunctional treatment. And I think if psilocybins were introduced in the same way where you had some sort of a physician level um, interaction so that it's not bud tenders handing out uh, psilocybin mushrooms to people because they want to take a journey with it. Um, because I think that there is an amazing place for some of these alternative medicines. And Western medicine does not have all the answers. We just don't. Look at the treatments for PTSD. They're abysmal. So if we can have something that can get us some good uh, help, some of the studies for addiction medicine, for example, um, there's a, one that was just published in the Journal of Psychiatry out of the UK, and it's a, a biomedical company there that did a study. They took people from a 26% success rate with alcohol recovery to almost 86% by incorporating ketamine into their treatment. That's pretty phenomenal. That, I mean, that's, that's absolutely phenomenal. It's game changer for that. I'm not saying that I um, have all the answers for that yet, but I don't want it to be stifled. I don't want the research to be stifled on psilocybins or ketamine if this might be an amazing help, but the drug companies are just not willing to or wanting to fund it because of the economic uh, model that we have. Right, because they're not going to make buku bucks off of it. Well, yeah. one one drug company. Actually I didn't realize. Did. I 
One drug company okay. decided, hey, we're going to take ketamine and we're going to make it into a nasal spray. And they they separated it into its two separate um, molecules, S-ketamine and R-ketamine, and they patented the S-ketamine. And they uh, charge for what I can get people through an entire series of treatments and typically get them feeling amazingly better. That's less than one treatment with that. So it was a profit motive. They could have just taken pure ketamine and made it into a nasal spray and done all the phase three trials they didn't want to. So that they're because getting, they wanted to have the exclusive. Well, yeah, they're hitting a thousand dollars a pop just for the medicine, and then uh, the psychiatrists are making two hours worth of time, and they're having it's. That's not the way I like seeing ketamine done. Right. Um, I don't want it to be a profit motive. I would love it to be something that. And I, and I hate to hear that people go and get something that's less effective or that they get it in the wrong way. And it could have been a game changer for them, but then they've checked that off the list when it might have been in the right setting. It might have been done incredibly well. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to talk negatively about any other uh, clinics in town, but I do feel like our clinic is set up to be best of practice. Um, and that's why we have people coming from Las Vegas, LA, um, all over the place. But, um, I don't know. Maybe you want to share a little of your story. You mentioned, I wouldn't have said that, but you wanted to, you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, back to in part one, I talked about, you know, I was pretty skeptical when, so I, my history with substance abuse, I also struggle with like some depression stuff. Right. Um, been anyways, I don't want to get into my whole story, but there's, there's definitely a lot there. And I, got to a point where I was, me and my wife were looking into having a a baby and I have some past PTSD from a previous marriage and some children's stuff. And, and so I started going back to therapy to talk therapy and seeing a therapist and sorting through some of that because I wanted to be excited. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to really embrace this new chapter of my life with my wife, Mandy now and having kids and not have all that past stuff root its ugly head. Right. And it was kind of starting to, so anyways, um, she recommended, Hey, you might want to consider getting back on medication. I had a terrible experience with SSRIs, weight gain, sexual side effects, uh, sweating in my sleep. Like just, it was not worth it to me. And they actually did the opposite. You know, I felt like they made me more depressed and more of kind of a zombie than it really helped with anything. That was my personal experience with, um, traditional, antidepressant medications. So she recommends that I start looking into the ketamine. I, you know, call up uh, desert sands ketamine, they're best of Southern Utah. And I, I had uh, scheduled an appointment with you. Um, I remember our first conversation. I remember saying like, Hey, I haven't had a mind altering substance in eight years and I'm pretty nervous about this. And I just remember like, number one, trusting you, right? Cause you asked, you said, listen, I'm a doctor. I know what I'm doing. Just trust me and just kind of turn over the process. Now, correct me if I'm wrong in this recall, but this no. is kind of the gist of the conversation, which helped me feel good because then it's like, you know what? Sure. I work in this field. You know, I, I think I know a little bit about something, but in this area, he's, he's got it. My first infusion I remember I always kind of have this persona, right? Like I'm really good at putting on this mask and like showing this outwardly appearance of like, I'm happy and things are going good. And, and I can remember that false ego just kind of melted. And I was, I, I didn't feel like I was checked out. Like when I used to use opiates, I would check out, right? I'd numb out. I'd, I'd be passed out. I was absent from my emotions and the first, the first infusion I did with you, Doc, it was like all that false ego BS went out the window and I could just sit with like my emotions and acknowledge like, yeah, I got some stuff I'm still sad about. And kind of throughout the, the process of, um, it was a beautiful environment, you know, like your guys' offices, very comfortable. <laughs> I was joking, say the chairs are ridiculous, ridiculous. You know, they lounge out, get a warm blanket going. Uh, you get the TV on there and you got all the beautiful scenery and the therapeutic music playing and, and you're kind of talking to me and guiding me through it. And it was cool because in my experience, there was some things like, you know, the death of my dad and the death of my brother that I thought that I'd worked through in therapy. I thought that I'd kind of let go of those things. And there was, I reached a state where I wouldn't say I felt out of control, 
but I, I felt like my subconscious and my conscience could have a conversation and I could acknowledge like, these are things that were painful in the past, but I'm not in the past today. You know, and there was this gorgeous scene where this horse is running up on this cliffside and my dad, you know, we talked horses, right? He, he did horses and, and the horse was just, man, I'm gonna get emotional. It was, it was beautiful and it was free and it had its hair blowing in the wind. And, and I thought he's in a better place, you know, like he, here I am still hung up on this however many years later and, and he's free and he's happy and he would want me to be free and he'd want me to be happy. And so from that very first experience, and then of course, you know, uh, I did the protocol exactly the way that you asked me to do it. You know, we did it, uh, for two or three weeks, twice a week. And I, I can honestly say that from the time I started to the time I ended, I was a completely different person. I had some life events going on at that time that were stressful, but I was able to, like, when you talk about moving out of the emotional mind and that kind of white noise and that constant, um, feeling of sadness into more of a practical, logical approach to things. I felt that shift throughout that period of the two to three weeks that I did that. But, but not emotionally numb. No, not. Oh man. You remember our conversations that that we had, um, during my treatments, I was very emotional. At one point there was a waterfall and my subconscious into my conscience, (laughs) I'm going to try not to get emotional. Um, me and Mandy were, were, had just conceived and just got pregnant and that was my wife and it was gorgeous. The beautiful scenery around it. And she represented the waterfall represented her and the life giving that came from that water. Yeah. Yeah. And the water and all the growth around it and all the beautiful plants. And I was very much plugged into my emotions. I was very much plugged into being in the present today and appreciating my life today and letting go of some of my past traumas and my past events and things like that. Um, it was a game changer definitely for me. The other thing that I would say though, is you have a hard time describing an experience. So if you heard all that and you're like, what did he just say? Well, that's the best (laughs) I can do guys, because you have, you do, there's something about you're going to have a journey It will be a process. You will have a lot of thoughts. You'll have a lot of emotions. And it's hard to describe a journey of feeling a process with words. The only thing I can say is my numbers went from like a three, you know, three out of 10 um, for like, in other words, from the time I started to the time I ended, I, I was probably you know, the bottom half of the scale on happiness, like a three. And by the time I was done, I was, my overall feeling and mood was like an eight or a nine. It was incredible. And we're talking two weeks versus in the past, I've been on antidepressants for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that was kind of some of my personal experience with it. Well, I think uh, patients describe very similarly what you just tried to describe, which is I can't describe it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard. It's like trying to explain to someone what a tomato tastes like if they've never had a tomato. And I know a lot of your audience is probably thinking, well, gosh, I, that sounds like a, a mind altering medication. That's what I just got rid of in my life, maybe, whether it's alcohol or whether it's. Uh, let me tell you a little story about um, that might. And I'm going to change kind of some of the details because I don't, you know, for HIPAA reasons, and I just don't want to give away anybody's personal information. Yeah. But I had a gentleman come into our clinic and we do not advertise ourselves as a rehabilitation clinic just to make that straight. That's not something that we advertise ourselves as. Your traditional client isn't a substance abuse client. Absolutely not. They come in because they're struggling with depression, anxiety, PTSD, chronic pain, those kind of things. But isn't it interesting how many of those patients are reaching out for something to help them feel better because they haven't felt something or they haven't found something that helps them feel better. So the the incidence of alcohol misuse or abuse, um, the incidence of uh, cannabis use, whatever it may be that they're reaching out for to try to at least give themselves a vacation or a break from it. But now they've got both problems sometimes where they've, okay, that was helping a little bit to take away my anxiety, but now I've got two problems. I'm drinking too much and and fighting with my wife over my drinking. And now I've also still got my anxiety. In fact, now I have more anxiety. 
And anybody that's been addicted to something knows that roller coaster that, that yeah. I'm talking about. Well, most people come in and they're very worried about um, another substance entering their system. And I get that. And I thought it was a, appropriate that you came in quite concerned about that because of your years of sobriety and what you're doing and, and the amazing um, life you're trying to put out there. So um, I can tell you that I try my best for patients to have the same experience that you've had, which is when they're done, they feel like they're my friend. I spend time with people. I try to be there for them. I try to um, make sure it's not just a come and get your ketamine and go home. That's part of the process is hopefully um, having some great conversations on the tail end of ketamine that help to guide someone's thinking while they're working through some of these problems that they're struggling with. It is key part of the whole process. So if you're, um, you know, if you're looking for help with any of those disorders that, that we're talking about, I always give a free consultation because ketamine isn't for everyone. This right. is not like, well, just come get your ketamine and, and ketamine isn't for everyone. So I make sure that there's not a patient that shows up at our office that a physician, me, hasn't, hasn't talked to them, looked through their medicine, make sure that this is a good fit for them. Because I, I love our success rate and I also don't want to hurt patients at all. Um, it's, it's, the money just isn't that important to me. Um, so, well um, said, well said. And I, and I do want to say this is a podcast about recovery, right? But, but my personal experience with ketamine wasn't about addiction, right? Like when I came to you for help and, and when I started going to, to therapy, it was because I was dealing with the symptoms of PTSD with depression, right? Like, and so I think sometimes we get this abstinence over everything mentality. And it's like, if, if I can go in, in a medical setting by a medical provider, have some type of therapeutic intervention or process that helps me that enhances my life. It doesn't, right? Because addiction is is uh, consistent use despite negative consequences. Correct. That's now, my definition too. Right. Versus this, this is an intervention, a therapeutic inter intervention that has beneficial, you know what I mean? And so I get sometimes we can get hung up on the chemical piece of it. But if you take a look at the whole process in and of itself, if, if you're out there, if you're in recovery, if you still struggle with some stuff from the past that you have not been able to shake, if, if traditional antidepressants just don't seem to be working for you, or if, you know, the side effects outweigh its benefits, I just ask, be open-minded. That's it. Just be open-minded. Maybe make a consultation, do some research. I did plenty of research on my own before I even called Dr. Evans's office, right? Cause I wanted to feel like I was an, an informed uh, client an informed patient. So that I'm pretty passionate about that now, just because I have had quite the paradigm shift from like a huge skeptic to holy cow. It, if I have some brothers and sisters out there that are trying to live life clean and sober today, but also are struggling with some, some stuff from the past that they can't quite let go of. And there is this process out there that I've discovered. Why wouldn't I be transparent? Why wouldn't I want to share that at the top of my lungs and, and let people know, you know, and maybe some people take a look at me and say, Oh, well, you're, you know, have their opinions on whether I'm in recovery or not anymore. I can tell you this, but my life today is more beneficial, you know, than when I first started, it's easy to put on the persona and the mask and act like everything's okay and act like everything's all right. It's tough to, to actually do the work and to do some of these treatments and, and to try to find an approach. That's bravery to me. Well, you mentioned that, uh, that for you, you did your own research and I think that's important for everybody to do and you can kind of get lost in Google. There's no question oh, yeah. about that, but there's also great research coming out of Yale university, top notch places that are showing these things. This isn't just a fly by night kind of thing. Second thing I would point out is that, um, and I know that you're the only um, recovering person sitting here in the room. I haven't had that problem, but ha did it trigger seeking behavior for you? Did you, or have you been feeling no. like, oh my gosh, it's actually, it's a beautiful experience, but it's also a difficult experience. It's not like something that you're going to go out and seek that. And I can tell you, you're in, in a study here in this room, you'd be an N of one, but in my clinic, I just don't see it. I had a pain clinic for almost 15 years and I saw seeking behavior. I saw people with narcotic problems. That was my whole goal is to get them off of that. I wish I would have had this to medicine for, um, patients in my clinic. I can give you an example. 
I just don't have the problem that, that maybe an addict that's out there thinking, well, yeah, I don't want to use a substance. I just don't get those problems. And I've been doing this for years now and I just don't get that. Um, and it was actually the opposite for me. It's funny you say that, but if I had a infusion on a Monday, like I had just gone through a whole journey in that 45 minute infusion session, right? Like it's kind of intense. Isn't I it? needed time to process my feelings, the, the thoughts that I had, the experience that I had. So it wasn't like with opiates where like I use them and then four hours later, I have this huge craving, this huge drive to go out and reuse them again. If in fact it was the opposite, it was like, wow, wow, that was an experience. I need to process that. And I actually, I have some friends that, that, um, have disclosed to me that they do the ketamine treatments. I was going to say the best part about this is now I only have to do it like once every four to six weeks. I'm in the maintenance phase now. Yeah. Once you get yourself feeling good with ketamine, it's like a big plane that's taken off. It doesn't take that much to keep you at 30,000 feet. Now they can turn down the engines. We just give you a ketamine treatment once a month ish to once every six weeks, sometimes once every two months ish. I don't have and to remember to take a pill in the morning. I don't have to deal yeah, with the side effects no, of the medications. No uh, side effects in between the treatments, which is amazing. Um, I'll give you just one other anecdotal patient of mine of many, many, many that have come in that then end up telling me, hey, I, I also was subs- or struggling with a substance abuse issue. I had a guy that uh, was high up on his company, um, CEO of his corporation, flying private planes. Cocaine was his... It was his drug of choice and he had a lot of it and he came in to see me and he told me about some of his cocaine use, but not all of it. And, but he told me that he was struggling with so much anxiety and so much depression. And that was the focus of why he was here to see me. I ended up sending him to the Betty Ford clinic because I thought, okay, addict, I want to help get him some help, but I don't know that, that he was kind of 50, 50 for me, whether I should take him on. He went to the Betty Ford Clinic, lasted a day there, and ended up out. Came back to me. We started ketamine treatments, and I just saw him on his eight-month sobriety. When And he was literally taking his private plane and picking up kilos of cocaine. It's incredible. And it's just one story out of numerous stories. Alcoholism is another one that has just really been helped with patients um, having that just that emotional tie to it be dissolved. So I hope I didn't take up too much of, no, I of loved your story. With my story, but it, no, it was a powerful one. I appreciate you coming on here, Doc Evans. Again, check out Desert Sands, DesertSandsKetamine.com. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.